0: Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. You know, each day I like to kind of think of a theme that kind of relates to what we're reading, and today's comes from our closing wisdom segment, Psalm 114. Here it is. If nature obeys God, so should we. And my friends, besides the fact that this is a key part of the theology of Psalm 114, my reason is simple here. Because nobody really wants the consequence of a purely naturalistic or materialistic worldview. Remember, if nature obeys God, so should we. And if you're regularly spending time with Him, well... That's one way that you, in fact, do obey him, and that's a beautiful thing. (laughs) Episode 2133 today, and today's little part of our journey together through the Bible, reading every single word of it, uh, begins with this. As the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible puts it, there's no question in the Hebrew or New Testament mind that plagues are a part of the judgment that God sends to individuals and families and even nations. Now, put a different way, in a Rogerism, (laughs) disorder, disease, and death are opposite of God's heart for human flourishing. So when we get to the New Testament in particular, and today's reading even, it's no small thing that historical witnesses recorded that Jesus had power over wind and waves and even death. And these eyewitnesses knew their scripture— that it was the creator alone who had power over nature. If nature obeys God, so should we. Listen to maybe how that touches down today in our New Testament reading, Matthew chapter 20. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers for one denarius, he sent them into his vineyard for the day. When he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing, and he said to them, You also go into my vineyard, and I'll give you whatever is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. And then about five, he went and found others standing around and said to them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. You also go into my vineyard, he told them. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, Call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired about five came, he gave each one one denarius. And so when the first ones came, they assumed they would get more, but they also received a denarius each and when they received it they began to complain to the landowner these men put in one hour and you made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day's work and the burning heat and he replied to them friend i did you no wrong didn't you agree with me on one denarius take what's yours and go I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first last. While going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the twelve disciples aside privately and said to them on the way, See? We are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified, and on the third day he will be raised. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons, and she knelt down to ask him for something, and he asked her, What do you want? Promise, she said to him. That these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and the other on your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? We are able, they said to him. He told them, You will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right and left is not mine to give. "'Instead, it is for those for whom "'it has been prepared by my Father.' "'And when the ten disciples heard this, "'they became indignant with the two brothers. "'Jesus called them over and said, "'You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, "'and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. "'It must not be like that among you. "'On the contrary, "'whoever wants to become great among you "'must be your servant.' And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There were two blind men sitting by the road. Pause. My friends, I'm just going to say this very last few sentences here of what we're going to read in the New Testament, I think relates to our theme. Listen to this. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There were two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd demanded that they keep quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus stopped, called them, and said, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said to him, open our eyes. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they could see and they followed him. And that is Matthew chapter 20. Uh, I love that. Uh, we've said this recently. Them calling out son of David meant they were recognizing that he was the promised Messiah. And we can't go more deeply into that. But I will say this. What is the problem with a purely naturalistic or materialistic worldview, right? There is no God. The cosmos is all there ever was or will be. My friends, we would be left without meaning and purpose. And we would be left with strong eating the weak and a bunch of things. But importantly... We would be left without supernatural healing. If nature obeys God, so should we. And that, of course, is a key theme in the book of Exodus, right? We've just been listening to this 10 plagues. And then that leads up to this exit or Exodus, which is the defining moment or a defining moment in Israel's history where God delivers Israel from slavery in Egypt, choosing them and covenanting with them through the law of Moses to be his people. And of course, eschatological or themes of of the vision, how the entirety of all of this transpires and ends (laughs) are developed from this concept. Today we pick up in Exodus chapter 13 at verse 17. You might recall that the very last thing that just happened is the death of all the firstborn, and here we go. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. For God said, The people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness. And the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, because Joseph had made the Israelites swear a solemn oath, saying, God will certainly come to your aid. Then you must take my bones with you from this place. They set out from Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day, and in a pillar of fire to give them light by night, so that they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Piharoth, between Migdal and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal-Zephon, facing it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, They are wandering around the land in confusion. The wilderness has boxed them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, What have we done? We've released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariot ready and took his troops with him. He took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in each one. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out defiantly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, chased after them and caught up with them as they camped by the sea beside Pi-Hairoth in front of Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians." It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. The Lord said to Moses, are you crying out to me tell the israelites to break camp as for you lift up your staff stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the israelites can go through the sea on dry ground as for me i'm going to harden the hearts of the egyptians so that they will go in after them and i will receive glory by means of pharaoh all his army and his chariots and horsemen the egyptians will know that i am the lord when I received glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood between behind them, and it came between the Egyptian and Israelite forces. There was cloud and darkness. It lit up the night, and neither group came near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. The Egyptians set out in pursuit, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, and went into the sea after them. During the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let's get away from Israel because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites? The Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and in his servant Moses. And then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They sang. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. He threw Pharaoh's chariots and his army into the sea. The elite of his officers were drowned in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They sank to the depth like a stone. Lord, your right hand is glorious in power. Lord, your right hand shattered the enemy. You overthrew your adversaries by your great majesty. You unleashed your burning wrath. It consumed them like stubble. The water heaped up at the blast from your nostrils. The currents stood firm like a dam. The watery depths congealed in the heart of the sea. And the enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire will be gratified at their expense. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters, Lord, who is like you among the gods, who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders. You stretched out your hand and the earth swallowed them. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. When the people's hear, they will shudder. Anguish will seize the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be terrified. Trembling will seize the leaders of Moab and all the inhabitants of Canaan will panic. Terror and dread will fall on them. They will be as still as a stone because of your powerful arm until your people pass by, Lord, until the people whom you purchased pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your possession. Lord, you have prepared the place for your dwelling. Lord, your hands have established the sanctuary. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the water of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through on dry ground. Then the prophetess Miriam Aaron's sister took a tambourine in her hand and all the women came out following her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. And that gets us up through chapter 15, verse 21. And (laughs) I hope you see how utterly epic it is. That is, my friends, I mean, I'm, I just, you you know what another consequence of a naturalistic or materialistic worldview is? People start questioning things like this, right? In fact, the liberal theology that developed in the 17th and 18th century ultimately came around to going, well, it must have just been a sea of reeds because of blah, 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 right? Mm Mm-hmm. But if God... Could create the cosmos out of nothing then he can part the red sea or cause a virgin birth or cause a resurrection right that's my friends i mean if nature obeys god so should we now turning to our wisdom segment for the day psalm 114 is not a long one it's um it's a song about what the lord has done for israel and how it should prompt all the earth to worship him joyfully, right? The Lord's past interventions for his people in the Exodus and then elsewhere like the wilderness and the conquest should cause all humans to revere and rejoice before him is kind of the theme. Psalm 114. When Israel came out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people who spoke a foreign language, Judah became his sanctuary Israel became his dominion. The sea looked and fled. The Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams and the hills skipped like lambs. Why was it sea that you fled? Why was it, Jordan, that you turned back? Mountains, why was it that you skipped like rams? Hills, why was it that you skipped like lambs? Tremble, earth. At the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the God of Jacob who turned the rock into a pool, the flint into a spring. And that is Psalm 114. And that last little reference is exactly (laughs) where we pick up in the Old Testament tomorrow. Turning the rock into a pool, the flint into a spring. And uh, Lord, let me just pray for those listening here. Lord, I just pray that Regardless of where they're at on the level of, on the scale or spectrum of trust, Lord, that you would move them one notch closer to Jesus, Lord, that you would, that you would help the person listening here, that unlike anything else, you are not only natural, but supernatural, but everything that we know about you and, and, and Jesus is rooted in actual real history, meaning there's real evidence. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to trust you a little more, wherever someone is at. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.